this morning we're going to get back into our series called New Seasons Greetings as we're kind of looking at scripture and looking at some different um, greetings than what we typically hear when it comes to the Christmas season. You know, often we hear things like Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, maybe Feliz Navidad, but those are kind of what we, we typically hear. And so in scripture we find a number of different greetings or maybe themes when it comes to the, the arrival of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or, or the idea of the Christmas season. And so just a short recap of that first Sunday that we talked, we talked about having a Merry Christmas, but it wasn't a Merry Christmas in the sense of an M-E-R-R-Y, it was a Merry M-A-R-Y, as we looked at the story of Mary and Martha as they hosted Jesus and his disciples in their home. We looked at how Martha had become distracted and overwhelmed by everything that was going on, and she missed the importance of spending time with Jesus, who was right in her home with her. And we talked and correlated that how many times today in our world, we get distracted in the same way, and we forget about the importance of what Christmas season is all about, and that's the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we get so distracted and caught up in the busyness of, of the Christmas concerts and our kids' plays and work parties and even church events. Sometimes it's even, it can be good things, but we just get caught up in the hustle and bustle of everything about Christmas that sometimes we forget what it's truly all about. And this morning, we're going to look at another Christmas greeting but I want to start us off with a short story that I read a little while ago to help us get headed in the right direction. So here we go with the story. This might sound like the most obvious statement ever, but growing up, Christmas was a big deal for my family. I was lucky enough to grow up just two houses away from some of my cousins. So we didn't just get to spend time with them on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. We got to spend all of the build-up to Christmas with them too. We helped decorate each other's houses. We would go on walks around the neighborhood to see how other people would decorate their houses. We'd make Christmas cookies at each other's houses. From Thanksgiving until Christmas was just a month of extended family bonding time every year. One of our favorite family traditions was to call our little cousin Grace Ann pretending to be Santa Claus from the sleigh phone. I'm about 10 years older than her, so I think I was about 15 at the time, and she was 5 or 6. It was in the 90s, so car phones, you know, the bag phones, were still a relatively new thing at the time. So Santa's sleigh phone was the height of Christmas technology at that time. She was obsessed with Santa Claus. So when she began receiving weekly calls from him in the middle of November, she was over the moon. But one fateful Thanksgiving, though, things got a little bit out of hand. Some of the other cousins who had come for Thanksgiving had found out about what we had been doing to our little cousin Grace Ann, pretending to be Santa Claus. My cousin Brian decided that he wanted to get involved with the fun we were having. So as we all gathered around the phone one time to call her, as he got into his ho-ho-hos, he kind of got into a little bit of a creepy voice to inform her that he knew where she was sleeping 
and he knew when she was awake, he told her that he'd been watching her. Right? He kind of started going through some of the lines of one of the popular Christmas carols. My sister, my cousins, and I were trying to not laugh as he informed her in this scary voice that, that she was on his naughty list, so she needed to be good for goodness sake. And then he hung up, and we all began to laugh, thinking it was just innocent fun. About 20 minutes later, my aunt came over to the house, and she was furious with us. She told us that Grace Ann was terrified, that she had shut all the blinds in the house, that she was lying under the blankets crying to the point of hyperventilating, and she kept screaming, he's watching me, he's watching me, and I don't want Christmas, it's too scary. Eventually, Brian agreed to come over and tell Grace Ann that he was the one on the phone, and that wasn't Santa Claus. But she was on edge for the next few weeks. She was afraid to go look at the Christmas lights that they always went and looked at. She was afraid to go near Santa at the mall. And on Christmas Eve, she was a wreck because she thought Santa was going to break into their house that night. She was probably the first kindergartner to ever be afraid of Christmas coming. My Aunt Sarah kept telling her, don't be afraid. Christmas is not something you need to be afraid of. Don't be afraid. Why do I share that with you this morning? Because the greeting that I want to share with you this morning is simply that. Don't be afraid. So as I said, we're in a series called New Seasons Greetings, and we're looking at different angles this year to come up with different themes for the Christmas story. And in my lifetime, I've received probably hundreds of Christmas cards, and I've seen, you know, thousands of different Christmas commercials in my lifetime, and never once have any of them ever said, don't be afraid on them. Right? Would you agree? Have any of you ever seen a Christmas commercial that said, don't be afraid on it? I don't think so. Right? Could you imagine getting a Christmas card in the mail that had a picture of a cute little family on the front and there's some snowmen and a big letter, a gold letter that said, don't be afraid over top of it. No, that sounds more like probably a Halloween card, right? Definitely not something we would say around Christmas time. We don't typically associate Christmas with the emotion of fear. We think of joy and wonder, maybe thankfulness, but typically not fear. There might be some anxiety mixed in there, too, but not fear. We may have some worry about getting the right presents for everyone, but typically not fear. We all have the stress about some difficult relationships with the people we're going to be around, but typically, again, not fear. We may have panic attacks about getting everything done in time, but again, usually not fear. We dread the feeling of loneliness that we know we may experience after Christmas is over and everybody goes back home, but usually not fear. If we're honest with ourselves, actually, maybe we're just afraid of all of it. We love Christmas, but financially, relationally, socially, and maybe even spiritually, it can be a scary time. Some people are afraid of Christmas. But the exciting thing for me is about the message of Christmas 
is the hope of Christmas all begins with the encouragement of don't be afraid. The story of Christmas begins with the reassurance that we don't need to be afraid. This morning we're going to see how the Christmas story began for four different people or groups of people. They were all different people from different walks of life, but God had a message for each of them, and they all started the same way. Do not be afraid. The first person that we're going to look at this morning is a gentleman named Zachariah. So if you'd like, you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Otherwise, as always, it'll be on the screen behind me as well. We're going to be talking about Zechariah first. So beginning in Luke chapter 1, starting with verse number 5. It reads, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. So Zechariah was a priest. He served God every day of his life. But it says here in this passage that he was afraid. He was a loyal husband to a godly wife, but he was afraid. And he was in the middle of a once-in-a-lifetime honor as a priest. He was chosen out of thousands of priests to be the one to burn incense within the temple that day. It would have been one of the highlights of his long and meaningful career. This was something that it was very rare that he would have the honor to do that. But it said he was afraid. Zechariah was afraid that God wasn't listening to his prayers. He was afraid that the desire to be parents that he and his wife Elizabeth had was never going to be fulfilled. He was afraid that God had forgotten about him. But then an angel... In verse 19, if you look a little bit further, tells us that it was Gabriel, the angel, shows up and tells him, do not be afraid. You see, the thing that Zechariah was afraid would never happen was about to happen. He was going to be a dad, and his son would be known as who? John the Baptist. John would one day let everyone know that Jesus had come into the world. He was going to have one of the most powerful and important ministries that the world had ever seen. Do not be afraid, Gabriel said. Zechariah was afraid that God wasn't answering his prayers. 
But he learned that God had something better prepared for him and his son than he could ever have imagined. Part of the story of Christmas is realizing that we don't have to be afraid if things aren't turning out like we thought, hoped, or prayed they would, because God might be laying the groundwork for something even greater. Part of the Christmas story is realizing that we don't need to be afraid if things don't turn out like we thought, hoped, or prayed they would, because God may be laying the groundwork for something even greater. The next do not be afraid is one that you're probably familiar with, the next individual. A little bit later in Luke chapter 1, if we keep reading on, we read about a little lady called Mary. Mary found out that she would be carrying the Savior of the world. Look at what happened when Gabriel, the angel, told her about her role in the birth of the Jesus, as we start reading in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to his son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary had a lot to be afraid of. Looking at the culture of that day, so she was a teenage girl, more than likely between the ages of 14 and 17. She had her whole life planned out at this point. She was engaged, or as they would say, she was betrothed to be married to a man named Joseph. And so when, when Joseph, or her fiancé as we would call him today, would find out this wasn't going to end well for her. On top of that, in Israel, in the first century, both her, her betrothed or her fiancé, Joseph, had a legal right that he could have her executed for her becoming pregnant outside of wedlock when they're betrothed in that way. She didn't have to fear just her future marriage. She actually had to fear for her life at this point. And even if she were not put to death, even if Joseph decided that he would still marry her, what were people going to say about her? What were people going to think about her? What was the perception of Mary and Joseph going to be? She had a well-earned peer reputation that was going to be very changed from this point forward in her life. In a matter of seconds of this angel talking to her, all that she thought her life was going to be was suddenly turned upside down. Her life was put into jeopardy. Understandably, she had some questions. Like in verse 34, she asked, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Valid question. 
But ultimately, she chose to embrace God's plan for her life. Even though it was scary, even though it could cost her everything, including her life, she had everything she had and everything she ever wanted. She decided that following God's plan, God's will, was a lot less scary than trying to do things on her own and following the own plan she had for her life. Look how she responds in verse 38 of chapter 1. She said, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Part of the Christmas story is realizing that we don't need to be afraid to follow God's plan. When we trust God with a course and plan for our lives, we don't need to live in fear. So that's the second part. Part of the story of Christmas is realizing that we don't need to be afraid to follow God's plan. When we trust God with a course and plan for our life, we don't need to live in fear. Okay, so we've talked about Mary. That's one part of the marriage. Now we've got to talk about the second part, Joseph. So Joseph, he's a good guy, but I'm certain that both his pride and his feelings were probably a little bit damaged by the news that his fiancée was pregnant. He had worked and saved his entire life to be able to have a wife and eventually a family. And now all of that was in jeopardy. Was, was he going to have to start over? What was he going to do? He had a decision that he had to make at this point in his life. He had an option where he could publicly disgrace his wife. He could have her put to death. He could choose to just break off the engagement. But as we read in Scripture, we realize that he did not choose to do any of those things. For he was also visited by an angel. We'll read about that in Matthew chapter 1 looking at verses 20 and 21. For it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. But I want to point something out. Joseph's do not be afraid in this passage is a little bit different than the do not be afraid that we've read in the other two from Zechariah and Mary. Theirs was offered more as a comfort or an encouragement. Joseph's is a command. Joseph is told here, do not be afraid to take Mary home. It's not an encouragement. It's not a comfort. He's saying... Do not be afraid to take her home. Basically saying, you are to take her home, but do not be afraid to do so. God basically told him, I know it doesn't make sense. You don't have to understand it, but you need to obey. And look at how Joseph responds in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Can you imagine how this conversation must have went? Right? Because remember, they couldn't call each other. They didn't have text messaging. So Joseph had to walk across town to Mary's parents' house and knock on the door. 
And she didn't know how this conversation was going to go either. She didn't know if he was there to, to have her pulled out onto the street to be stoned. She didn't know how he was going to respond to have her publicly scorned. But then he told her, he said, I'm still going to marry you. I'm still going to take financial responsibility for you and your son. I'm going to love you. I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to be obedient to what God is calling us to do. Part of the Christmas story is realizing that we don't need to be afraid to obey God even when it doesn't make sense. Part of the Christmas story is realizing that we don't need to be afraid to obey God even when it doesn't make sense. If God tells you to do something, simply do it. If God tells you to do something, simply do it. The last group of individuals that we're going to look at in the Christmas story of Do Not Be Afraid is a group that maybe is not always included in all the Christmas stories or we don't always think about because they weren't faithful priests. They weren't an innocent young girl. They weren't a righteous carpenter. They were the shepherds. If you think about the Christmas story, Caesar Augustus had called for a census. Everyone had to go back to their, their hometown where their families were from. But then there were the shepherds. They just stayed where they were. They stayed out in the fields. They were kind of an afterthought. The rest of society went back to their census, but these guys... They weren't even important enough to be counted. They didn't even have to go back to a hometown to be counted. They didn't seem to either really matter to the Roman government or really even to the Jewish officials at that time. But that didn't mean they didn't matter to God. Their story starts like this in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The angel tells them the exact same thing. That he told Zechariah, Mary, and Joseph, do not be afraid. These guys were overlooked and forgotten by about everyone, but they were not overlooked nor forgotten by God. My favorite part of this passage is in verse 11, and I want to take a look at it from the King James Version. This is how the King James Version says it says, For unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And I love how it says, for unto you. It is not for unto the worthy, or unto the priests, unto the innocent virgin, unto the righteous carpenter. It says, for unto you. There's no qualifier for, no qualifier for it. It says, for unto you, unto everyone, unto anyone. The shepherds, 
that felt forgotten, felt unloved, felt unnoticed, says, for unto you a Savior has been born. You are the ones Jesus was born for. Part of the Christmas story is realizing that we don't need to be afraid of whether or not you matter to God. Part of the Christmas story is realizing that we don't need to be afraid of whether or not you matter to God. Because you do. Because you do. And the reality is there's people in our world today who still wonder if they matter to God. And we need to help people understand that they matter to God. Because it says, for unto you, God sent his Son for all people. The original season's greeting was, do not be afraid. So much of the Christmas story revolves around God letting his people know that they do not need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of God not answering our prayers, as it was with Zechariah. Maybe he's planning something bigger than our prayers or plans could ever imagine. We don't need to be afraid of following God's plans, because if he has given us a vision, a dream, or a calling, fear should never keep us from following. We don't need to be afraid of being obedient to God, even if it seems to be contrary to common sense. Obeying what God has commanded is always the best decision that we can ever make. We don't need to be afraid of whether or not we matter to God, because the birth of Jesus is evidence that we all matter very much to God. Fear is not an excuse this Christmas. Four times we are reminded that we have nothing to be afraid of. So what does it look like to have a Christmas without fear? How would you spend your time, your money, and your attention if you had the ability to live without fear? The worship team, you can come back up at this point. What would happen if you rested in the confidence that God has a plan? He wants you to be a part of it. You need to obey it and that you matter to him. This Christmas, I hope that you've been motivated by the fact that you do not need to be afraid. Is a huge part of the Christmas story. When you take fear out of the equation, you are free to appreciate what Christmas is really about. Proof that God loves you and that he has a plan and a purpose for you. Christmas, it's about the fact that God loves you and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So this morning, as the worship team is going to lead us through a song here in just a moment, Maybe you've allowed fear to creep into your life. Maybe it's crippling you and it's holding you back from something. Maybe, maybe you're like Zachariah and there's a prayer that you've been praying and it just it seems like it's not being answered. And, and that fear of, of, of thinking that that prayer is never going to be answered. I want you to be encouraged this morning and, and know that you don't need to live in fear that that prayer will never be answered. But yet, to continue to pray, to continue to believe 
that the reason it, it's not being answered is just because God has something else in mind. And it may be bigger and greater than you could ever even imagine. And in his perfect timing, and in his perfect way, God is going to respond to the prayer that you have. And maybe there's a dream, a vision, a calling that God has placed on your life. And, and the fear has overcome you and, and, and you're, you're afraid to pursue it. But if God has placed that call on your life, just like he did with Mary, and she said, you know what, even though it's fearful, she said, I'm willing to pursue it because if that's what I feel like God has called me to do, if I, if I pursue anything else, it, it, it's, it's going to be foolishness of me to do that. So this morning, I want to encourage you, if there's something God has called you to do and fear is stopping you from doing it, I want to encourage you this morning to come forth for prayer and just say, God, I, I'm, I'm done allowing fear to stop me from pursuing what you have called me to do. Because God, I know that if you've called me to do it, I know if it's a dream and a vision that you've given me, that you are going to provide the way for it. Even if it goes against common sense, even if it goes against what I think logically, God, I know that if you've placed it in my heart, that you will make it come to pass. Because that is just the way that God works. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're going, you know what, maybe I've just struggled with believing that, that, that I matter to God. That, that God sees me as valuable. That God sees me as a child of His. In, in that fear, that, that, that lack of identity is something that you struggle with. I want to encourage you this morning to know that you matter to God. That God loves you more than anything in the world. Yesterday at men's breakfast, we looked at Psalm 33 and we talked about this this concept of, of our God who created the whole universe, said that he, he, he created it all, and he took it and he, and he put it all into a wineskin. But it, just that, that concept of our God who created everything can take it all and he can put it in, into one thing, and then it says that, that he looks down on us and he cares for us. He sees everything that each and every one of us as individuals are going through. He sees what each of us are walking through. How, how can we hear that and not think that we matter to God? That's a God who loves us. A God who sees the billions of us who walk on this earth. But he sees each and every one of us individually exactly what we're walking through. Each and every moment of our day. God knows what you're going through, and he loves you, he cherishes you, he values you. And he showed that by sending his son to this earth as a gift for you. And we remember that this Christmas season. And so this morning, myself and a few of our leaders will be up here for prayer. And if you'd like prayer for, for one of those things, or if there's something else you'd like prayer for this morning, does not need to be related to that. We just want to invite you to come forward, or if you'd like prayer by yourself, you don't need to come to one of our leaders as well. You're always welcome to do that. But they're going to lead us through a song, and then we will close together at the end in prayer. And so we just want to invite you to come forward to the altars.